0: Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Three, two, one, zero, 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 zero. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 69. I'm glad to be back to the program with you. Glad that you're listening. I do appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please share it around on social media. Also, like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, follow my YouTube page. It's the only way we're going to keep the podcast going and help spread the word. So if you could do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you go to my homepage, brianmclanahan.com, you can sign up for my email list, and I'll send you an email here and there. There are going to be some really great things in that email coming up, probably one next week. Uh, From what I understand, we're going to be having a great sale at learntruehistory.com, and so you can go out there. You can get some free goodies from Tom Woods, and you're also going to get a free goodie from me. So uh, if you are not a member, uh, go on out there next week. Don't do it until next week. we got a big sale, so uh, you can do that. Also, we're going to have some uh, great promotions coming up for my new book, How Alexander Hamilton Screwed Up America. And um, I see uh, on social media recently that people are talking about Hamilton a lot. Of course, the great musical Hamilton. Uh, has made him an international sensation. I'm going to try to tear him down a little bit. So uh, the uh, the book comes out in September, but there are going to be some great promotional ideas or great promotional products, I should say, that you're going to want to get. So uh, if you're thinking about uh, you know ordering that book, and I hope you are, you might want to wait until I've got those things for you. And it's going to be within the next month or so that that's going to be out. So uh, keep looking for that as well, and you'll be able to keep in touch with that kind of stuff if you sign up for my email list. All right, today's podcast is a little different. Uh, I'm not going to do something political. Uh, I'm going to you know, change uh, pace just a little bit and talk about music. And there's a reason I want to do this. It's actually going to fit into the general theme that I often discuss, which is you know think locally, act locally. Uh, but uh, in this particular case, I'm going to know weave music into that and I, I, I know everyone likes music, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit too. So I would like to start though with reading you something from Linear Notes uh, from an album that came out in the 19, late 1960s I believe I don't know the exact date uh, that it came out, but it's a it's a, a, a an album by the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem. And the title of the album is "Isn't It Grand, Boys?" Now, if you are not familiar with the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Makem, they are traditional Irish folk music. Uh, they're all dead now. All the Clancy Brothers and Tommy and Tommy Makem himself are all dead. Uh, and as a, as a uh, when I was a boy, uh, my grandfather would take us to see Tommy Makem and Liam Clancy in concert every year around St. Patrick's Day. So this actually fits into that. We had St. Patrick's Day a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to read this to you because. Uh, it fits to the theme that i want to discuss today so this is uh, written by tommy makem a long time ago when i was a lump of a lad running around i remember many a summer afternoon climbing up into a great ash tree sitting in the leafy branches near the top singing away to myself and the only competition i had was from a temperamental thrush in a nearby oak another favorite place for singing was underneath a bridge of an, on an old disused railway line where the echo roared back at you at the top of its voice and you felt as if there were three or four people answering your song. But perhaps the best place to sing was sitting on a cartload of empty creamery cans, where, with the clopping of the horse hooves, the rattling of the iron-shod wheels on the white road, and the ringing of the creamy creamery cans, it sounded as if you were being accompanied by a symphony orchestra, and you couldn't help but sing. Later, when my fingers grew a little longer and I could cover all the holes on a tin whistle, my brother Jack taught me to play should have heard how great the whistle sounded being played under that railway bridge. But that's how it is in Ireland. There's music around you all the time, and it's almost as essential to living as eating and drinking. I went recently to visit a woman called Ellen Riley, who lives near Katy, where I was born and reared, and we were sitting chatting when she said to me, you're a bit of a musician, but can you tell me, what is music? Well, now, I'm sure that you'll agree that this is a very difficult question to answer, So after I had racked my brain and come up with nothing, I asked Ellen to give me her definition of music. Music, said she, is the soul of the world embedded in sound. Whether she had read it somewhere or come up with that herself, I don't know. But I do know that you'd travel around a brave few corners before you'd find any one man, woman, or child who could come up with better. So I want to build on that couple of things. Makeham does such a fantastic job. He was a real poet. Um, he wrote one of the best songs, best Irish folk songs in the history of Irish folk music, entitled Four Green Fields. And uh, he was such a, a great writer and composer. And this proves it. That's a wonderful little story with great description about Ireland. But not just that. The description of music. Music is the soul of the world embedded in sound. So, I want to talk about those two things. And I said this is a think locally, act locally episode. And I, you know, one of the first podcasts I did was on uh, The Walking Dead and philosophy. And uh, so, this is kind of in that vein. You know, I'm not going to do everything political all the time. I want to do this today. So, people love music. And people love music for a variety of reasons. I have friends who enjoy progressive rock. I have friends who enjoy classical music. I have friends who enjoy jazz. Uh, friends who enjoy uh, metal. And uh, I like actually all of those types of music. And there's different reasons why people like music. It could be the beat. You might want to dance to it. It could be a great riff. Uh, as the Greeks figured out, there are certain tones that make you feel certain ways, so you're in a mood uh, you're ready to go play us, you know, at a sporting event, and you want to get fired up, so you play some type of music. Uh, you're in a mood to relax, uh, so you play a certain kind of music. Uh, there are tones that make you feel certain things that can evoke emotion, and so sometimes people like music for that particular reason, the emotional quality of music. One thing that's always drawn me to music, particularly as I got into my 20s, um, was this idea of... Time, place, and people. And I think that's what uh, this particular linear note does. him describes Ireland, and if you listen to the Irish folk music, and if you listen to, for example, for that song, Four Green Fields, and if you've never heard this, uh, the the lyrics are are just fantastic. You don't have to be from Ireland to understand and feel that particular piece because of the lyrics and. Uh, you know, the, the song is about the four provinces of Ireland, and it was written uh, in the 1960s at a time when, of course, there was a lot of trouble in Ireland, and people were thinking about place, Irish rule, home rule, uh, particularly, uh, you know, this, this idea of, you know, Northern Ireland, what it was, uh, and so that's a, and, and the Clancy brothers and, and Tommy Macon were always interested in this very, uh, very much of Irish independence, the, the green flag. Uh, there are two Irish flags. There's the tricolor flag, and then there is the uh, green flag, which is uh, you know, it's uh, Kelly Green with uh, a golden harp and the uh, phrase "Erin go bra, which means Ireland forever. And so uh, they love that green flag, and it used to be illegal to fly that green flag in Ireland. And so this song, Four Green Fields, you know, what did I have, said the fine old woman. Uh, I had four green fields. Each one was a jewel. Then strangers came and tried to take it from me. I had fine, strong sons who fought to save my jewels. They fought and died, and that was my grief, said she. And so it's about this uh, the seizing of, of Northern Ireland. And at the end of the song, it's so powerful. And I'll, I'll probably link to it today, because if you've never heard it, it does bring a tear to your eye if you, if you know it. Uh, and there's a wonderful video of uh, Tommy Macom reciting a poem before of, you know, this great, uh, you know, defense of Ireland. And uh, the, one of the last lines, you know, I, I, and my sons have sons as brave as were their fathers. My fourth green field will bloom once again, said she. And so you listen to that song, you listen to the lyrics, and it, and it brings you to a place, a time, a people, a heroic people. A passionate people. And that's something that's always driven me to like music. And so you have this this Irish tradition where you have these great songwriters. And as you said, everyone sings in Ireland. It's in your blood. These Celtic people. And so they come over here to America. And they bring that with them. And a lot of these Irish people would settle in the west, the western parts of Uh, what was then the American colonies and then later the United States. So they're going to settle in Appalachia. And so uh, they create a hillbilly music. And eventually, by the 1930s, you have bluegrass. And if you listen to Irish folk music and you listen to bluegrass, it's one and the same, really. In fact, um, I think it was the, the Chieftains, I believe, who are an Irish folk band, came over. It's either the Dubliners or the Chieftains. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they came over and they recorded a bluegrass album with some American bluegrass bands because they realize that, hey, Irish folk music and bluegrass music, it's the same thing uh, in so many ways. And if you listen to bluegrass, and a lot of people don't like bluegrass, a lot of people don't like country, um, I personally think that they're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, you listen to bluegrass and you put it right next to Irish folk music and it has the same general theme, a, a place, a people. Uh, you know, the great song, you know, High on a Mountaintop which isn't necessarily a bluegrass song. It's more of a country song, Loretta Lynn. Uh, but it's about a people, a Celtic tradition on this mountaintop uh, in the Appalachian Mountains and what they had. And it, So it's a, it's a story of place. And I think that's what's drawn me in so many ways eventually to that type of music. When I was younger, I didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to country. I didn't listen to bluegrass. Uh, I didn't listen to any of that. I, I actually listened to... Uh, a lot of you know, rock, classic rock, metal, those type of things. And I still love that kind of music. Um, that does evoke a different type of, of, of feeling. But again, as I got into my 20s, I started thinking differently about the world. And so I started thinking more about people in place and where I was from. And not just that, where the people around me were from. And this is why I said this is a Think Locally, Act Locally moment. And I'll get to that at the end of the podcast and talk about what you can do with music and how important that is for, this, for creating that Think Locally, Act Locally environment. So the music that I was drawn to eventually was southern rock or, or southern music and, uh, and, of course, bluegrass and country. Even classical music is... About a place. If you listen to, for example, the uh, the Romantic period music, particularly from Eastern Europe, and you have Dvorak and uh, and Tchaikovsky uh, and uh, you know people like that, it is a it is a a story of a place of a people. Chopin. Uh, There is a tremendous amount of nationalism in that music, and it's done in a way. To make you proud of where you were from. I mean, Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a story of a people defending their land from Napoleon. Uh, and so a lot you know Vaughn Williams, who was composing uh, in the early 20th century, but very much in that romantic genre. Uh, if you've never listened to Vaughn Williams, and it's just beautiful music, historic themes. Uh, you know the the uh, The idea of a pastoral England with Vaughn Williams. Just wonderful stuff. And so that's to me what what Southern rock and country and bluegrass became. And I know um, I have friends who despise country music. And they think it's rather cheesy. And some modern country is. But there still are some people there that do a very good job of time, place, and people in country music. Um, One of my favorite songs... Uh, older country songs, is Merle Haggard Sing Me Back Home. And the reason is because, again, it has that that idea of home, place. Here's a guy, he's a he's a bad guy, obviously. He's on death row and he's going to be executed. But he asks his friend to sing him back home to that place he used to know, to make my old memories come alive. And that's one thing music has always been able to do. You know, you listen to a song, something comes on, you think... You're boom, you're right back at that time and place when you first heard that or that important thing that happened during that song. It takes you right there. And Southern Rock does that so well. Uh, there was a great documentary movie that came out uh, not long ago, just a couple of years ago, entitled Muscle Shoals. And this place, Muscle Shoals, in, in northern Alabama, of course people might be familiar with that because of the Leonard Skinner song Sweet Home Alabama. Muscle Shoals has got the Swampers. But what was this place? And I think uh, in this documentary, if you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix for free. I mean, it's just wonderful. Um, but I think that uh, the they have a lot of guest stars on this, you know, musicians who had, who had recorded music there. And Bono, for all of his faults, uh, and if you don't like U2, um, you know, I understand. U2 has, uh, they're very political, but they have some songs that I really uh, do enjoy. Uh, but... You, Abano from U two said it best. He said, "You know, this this sound that you got out of Muscle Shoals was in the mud of the river, there." And so that river, that place, it produced something. It produced this sound. It produced people, that produced a sound, that was so unique. And I and I think that a lot of people would be surprised by this and what that sound was. Essentially, the Motown sound of the nineteen sixties. Was the Muscle Shoals sound? They created that. They created that 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 sound that was so unique, and people thought, "This is Motown." It's Muscle Shoals, Alabama. It's all it was. Um, as Aretha Franklin said, "It was greasy." That's what she called it. But you know, you had all these famous people going there to record uh, uh, these Motown artists. But event- you had everyone from, you, had, you had reggae, you had rock, you had country, you had folk. All these people went to Muscle Shoals to record because it had this sound. Also in the South, you had Macon, Georgia, which is where the Allman Brothers uh, recorded a lot, but you also had other bands recording there, like uh, the Marshall Tucker Band and the Charlie Daniels Band. Of course, Skinner also recorded in Muscle Shoals. And uh, their first album uh, would have been uh, produced there had uh, anyone been able, had, had the had the people at uh, you know, in Muscle Shoals been able to get that album through at the time, but nobody wanted to hear it because the songs were too long. Uh, you know, and uh, eventually, as Skinner goes out on tour with The Who, they become huge, and that album becomes Skinner's first and last. And so there actually is a great album out there. It's Leonard Skinner, uh, you know, Muscle Shoals, and it's, um, it's all of these Muscle Shoals recording from that original session. And it was so good. Uh, and some of those songs ended up on other albums. You know, Street Survivors had had a couple of those tunes, and uh, you know, of course, some of the songs ended up on uh, *Pronounced* Leonard Skinner and and others. So, uh, and then there was that *Skinner's First and Last*. But um, such a great album and a great place. But let me get into that idea of Southern Rock and and why I like it. When you look at Southern Rock and you look at some of the songs and and uh, the the pride back in the. Uh, early 70s to late 70s that that these bands had in a place. And so you look at uh, these albums that they had uh, and I'm just going to focus on the three you know three of the big bands. So first you had Skinnard, which came from uh, Florida um, and uh, North Florida uh, you know it's, it's often the considered to be kind of the redneck area of Florida but that's where Skinnard was from. You have a band like the Marshall Tucker Band, which came from upcountry South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And then you had the Charlie Daniels Band. And, of course, Charlie Daniels was from North Carolina, but uh, later you know, called Tennessee home. Uh, but you had a number of other southern rock bands. We could talk about southern rock bands all day and all the different ones that were there and all, you know, some of the minor bands, uh, some of the bands that um, weren't as, as prevalent. Of course, then you have the Allman Brothers Band coming out of Georgia. The Allman Brothers Band didn't do the same things that, say, Skinner and Marshall Tucker and Charlie Daniels did. Um, But Charlie Daniels more than any of the others. And that was Sing About a Place. So, you know, Skinner had uh, the very famous song Sweet Home Alabama. Of course, they weren't from Alabama, but this song appeared on their second album. And uh, Second Helping is is the title of that album, if you're not familiar with Skinner. And it's a you know wonderful song. It's a song of place, and of course, it's an anthem for people from Alabama. Um, what's curious about that is people that like Auburn University sports don't like Sweet Home, Sweet Home Alabama, which I've always found curious because uh, they're from Alabama. Uh, but uh, that's that college rivalry. You know, the, the University of Alabama uses that song oftentimes. But you know, Al- this song is about a place, a people, and if you look at the lyrics to the song, it's the, it's a defiant song. Uh, it's a it's a song of pride at a time when the South was being beaten down in the media, uh, for and in popular culture for being this terrible place. And Skinner came out and said, "No, no, we love Alabama, we love the South, we love this place and where we're from, and we all should love that place and where we're from." And that's one thing you can say about Southern rock in the '70s. The South had gone through the '60s, the late '50s, into the '60s. It had been so run through the mud, and you had these Southerners saying, no, wait a second, we're very proud of where we're from, and the South is great. And so you look at uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Charlie Daniels band, and how, how many different songs they had that were anthems to different places, Tennessee, Georgia, the Carolinas, uh, and you know the South's going to do it again, uh, which was a great anthem about how proud Charlie Daniels and the members of that band were to be from the South. Uh, People like Hank Williams Jr., uh, who had a great song, The New South, and one of the lines I loved in that song is, you know, the New South, thank God, is still the same. The New South is still the same, and I'm so proud of it. I don't want those little old Danish rolls, I must have ham and grits. And it was this, yeah, I love the South. And even if you're not from the South, this became very popular in the United States for a time. This music took hold of people. And even if you weren't from the South, it was like, yeah, the South is pretty cool. I like the South. The South sounds great. The people down there are nice. They say y'all. Uh, they've got great food. They've got great music. Uh, and this was, you know, they would uh, Skinner would go out to Oakland, California and have a big Confederate battle flag behind them. And people love this. Oh yeah, you had you had uh, the nineteen eighties, and you had that that carried into the eighties, and you had the Dukes of Hazard, the General Lee, um, and uh, this this uh, thing that you know people were proud of being from the South or or loving the South and southern and southern culture, and that was amazing. It's a, it's a story of people, place, and time. Whether you're from the South or not. People looked at that and said, yeah, this, there's something to the South. And there, was, and there was a lot of pride in that. And you also had it in that Muscle Shoals sound. You had it uh, in, in that type of music. Uh, there was a pride in that. The Motown sound, there was a lot of pride there in who, who the Motown singers were as a people. And, of course, that came out of the South as well. And then, of course, the Marshall Tucker Band uh, you look at some of the some of the uh, songs. One um, one of, the, one of the, my favorite lines in the, in a Marshall Tucker song. It was written by Toy Caldwell. But you know, my idea of a good time is walking my property line, and knowing that the mud on the boots is mine. And I, I just love that little that little line in that song. Uh, but you had uh, you know Carolina dreams for the Marshall Tucker band, and so they were very proud of being from Spartanburg, South Carolina. And, if you've never been to Spartanburg, it's just a little old place. There's nothing really there. Um, you know, it was an old mill area. Uh, but people were proud of that. And where I live, you know, you had, uh, and this goes back really to to uh, poetry and this romantic period again and, and pride in place. You know, um, where, I, where I live, there's the Chattahoochee River. And um, Sidney Lanier uh, wrote a wonderful poem back in the 19th century, Song of the Chattahoochee. And... That river produced a sound. In fact, one of the first hit country tunes was entitled "Columbus Stockade Blues," and it's about this place, Columbus, Georgia. And they were, uh, you know, they were sad. They're in Columbus. They'd rather be back in Tennessee. So you had this idea of, again, a people in a place, and this music that brought us to that. We were being sung back home, and Irish folk music did that. Bluegrass had this feel of Kentucky. I mean, just that sound, that bluegrass comes out of Kentucky. Uh, Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys. Uh, if you never heard you know, Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, you're in, you're in for a treat. If you like jazz, you'd love bluegrass in a way because of the instrumentation. Uh, one of my favorite contemporary singers, Chris Stapleton, started out in a bluegrass band entitled Steel Drivers. He had that band, and, and uh, they, re- they had some great tunes. Then he did his little country rock, uh, uh, I'm sorry, southern rock uh, band entitled uh, the Johnson Brothers, and now, of course, he's huge. Uh, he's Chris Stapleton, and um, a couple of years back, you could still actually go on social media and talk to Chris Stapleton before he became, you know, number one selling artist, and he would respond back to your tweets, and so I asked him one time, uh, you're gonna have another Johnson Brothers album. He said, "Oh yeah, this in the works." That was before, of course, he became this megastar. So I don't know if uh, if there's gonna be another Johnson Brothers uh, album or not. But if you like Southern rock, it is the best Southern rock album of the last 20 years, without without question. And there's also a great YouTube video. Maybe I'll try to link to it where they had a live performance. And there's a couple of songs in there they don't put on they don't have on their album. They're so good. Uh, if you like Chris Stapleton you're going to love the Johnson brothers. They're so good. And if you like Southern rock in particular. Um, so Stapleton's able to do that too. There's a connection there with the songs. Not so much as you had uh, in the 70s and some of the older uh, country tunes, but there definitely is a connection to time and place. And Stapleton is from Kentucky and then of course moved, moved to uh, Nashville. So you have that. But how does this fit in Think Locally, Act Locally? How does this fit in that whole idea? Uh, I remember talking to Thomas Naylor, who was um, interested in the Second Vermont Republic and Vermont seceding from the Union. And there's a very popular neo-hippie band from Vermont called Fish. If you've never heard of Fish, uh, they're in that line of the Grateful Dead. And I, back in the 90s, uh, I was around 1993, I think, I went to a Fish concert. And, they're, uh, you know, it's, some of their songs are a lot of fun. They They play some good rock and roll and Uh, I still have, uh, you know, I have some friends from high school who who love fish and still love fish, I believe, and still listen to fish. It kind of you know, has that vibe. You can get the bootleg albums and they love the live tracks and they have, you know, so they people follow the fish around like they used to do with the Grateful Dead. And so fish is from Vermont. And Thomas Naylor talked about how in Vermont there was this movement to uh, think about Vermont first, Vermont food, Vermont music. Uh, Vermont authors, uh, you know, localism was very popular in Vermont, and it still is. People are interested in that local, and so music has a way of doing that. Um, you know, the Irish, uh, you know, would often say, uh, you know, let the let the let the imperialists, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this old, let the imperial imperialists write the history, but we'll write the songs. And if you can write the songs, you can get people to love your place. And I think that's what happened in the 70s in the South. They were writing the songs about where they were from, and it didn't really matter what people were It didn't matter that Neil Young was criticizing Southern man. Leonard Skinner was saying, we don't need you, Neil Young. We don't need your version of the South because we have it here. We're writing the songs. And so as long as we can write the songs, we can determine what our people think. And that's why music is a think locally, act locally thing. If you're interested in that whole idea and you are musically inclined, write the songs about your people, about your place. Make it come from somewhere inside you and who you are and your experience. I think that that, more than anything else, would produce an environment where think locally, act locally works. Uh, so much, so many songs now don't have that anymore. They're not about people or place or time. They're about having a good time or, uh, you know, this kind of an idea of this one nation kind of people were all the same. That's just simply not true. We all know it. L- music produces a local color, a regionalism, a place, a people. And so find those bands and those musicians from where you are, and support them, just like you would for authors, local authors, local produce. Go to your farmers market and buy your produce from the people that live around the corner. Support authors who live around you, because those people are there. Those people live in your community. Particularly if they're good. I mean, if they're not good, yeah, I understand. But uh, and then support the music. That speaks to your place and your people. Music is not just the soul of the world embedded in sound. It's the soul of a people and a place embedded in sound. And that's what's gotten me interested in so many different types of music. You know, My grandfather used to love hot jazz, which is often, you know, we call it Dixieland or New Orleans jazz. It comes from a people and a place. Kid Ori's Creole jazz band. You wouldn't have that if it wasn't for the place. It has a sound. It has a people in it. and when you listen to that jazz, you'd put on Kid Ori record and you do what Ori say and you listen to that, it gets you to a place and a people and that's one thing if you know music a lot of people just like music because they like you know how it makes them feel or they like the beat or they like you know maybe there's there's a message to it in some way outside of a people or a place. Um, maybe it's you relate to the to the sound of the, of the voice or the person because that person sounds like you. That might be it too. makes you want to dance. But to me, so much so much music and why I like so many different types of music is because it speaks to a people in a time and a place and I'm interested in that regional color. I'm interested in that think locally act locally idea of music. So one thing we could all do, to try to think locally and act locally, again, if you're musically inclined, is speak to a people in a place. Tell your story about your people, about who they are, your ancestors, that romantic idea of who we were and where we come from. And if you can do that effectively, you're going to create another renaissance. There was that music renaissance in the South in the 70s, and some people still love that stuff. Not as popular as it used to be, but I still find Leonard Skinner to Marshall Tucker and Charlie Daniels and Blackfoot and Molly Hatchet and all these bands that came out of the South, Uh, you know, that, uh, the Atlanta rhythm section, uh, you know, there, there there's so many great bands out there um, that were the Southern rock bands uh, and uh, the Allman brothers band, of course. Um, I find them to speak to me because of a place and people in a time. Uh, You know, the Allman brothers band, blue sky. It's It's a wonderful song. Uh, So if you can do that, think of those things and produce that kind of music. And I think you're going to help this Think Locally, Act Locally idea carry further. And talk about that when you do it. This is a story of people. This is a story of time. This is a story of place. And produce music that way. I hope you enjoyed this edition of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time.